Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. All right. Thank you, big voice. Oh, you've done it again. Welcome to, as he mentioned, the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. It is Steve along with the coach, Greg Kennedy, coming up today, the world junior finish. We'll talk about that. Sends prospect Ridley Gregg. We know exactly how much time he's going to miss and what the nature of his shoulder injury is. He fared very well in some of the reviews in The Athletic from Corey Pronman. He and Robbie Roby Yarventi both did very well. And we'll also talk about if the season started tonight, who are your 3D pairings and starting goalie all still ahead today on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. Greg, how are things with you today? Great, Steve, after an awesome hockey game. What a great game that was Saturday, huh? The first two periods, it was it was, it was a, just the darn power play couldn't score. My God. All I could think about at the time was the Dave Cameron collapse from the last time he was Team Canada's world junior coach. Soviet Union, or Russia, I guess, uh, had a 3 nothing lead going into the third period, ends up losing, I think, 5-3. And here he had a 2 nothing lead with Canada in this final. And going into the third period, they Finland ties it up. So I thought, first, first of all, again, I, I could only see the third period and the overtime. Uh, I thought Im- and immediately, well, they got a two nothing lead. We're going to cruise here. I thought it was the I thought it was a jinx because uh, it all it all fell apart. But oh my god, that overtime and that play by Mason McTavish. People will be talking about that forever. Stunning. Stunning, like just it was truly amazing. But to go back to your first point about the jinx, it was it was Gord Miller who kept saying it. He must have brought it up three times during the game that you right. know Dave Cameron the resurrection, but he's not talking about it, and he he doesn't see this as a revenge or anything like that. And like, come on, Gord, knock it off. It's like you're you're ruining the no hitter. You're ruining the, yeah. the the perfect game. He kept saying it. You're ruining the shutout, whatever. Uh, but yeah, what a finish. I, you know, you look at it, you go three on three, 20 minutes of three on three. Steve Steve loves this. That's what Steve wants in the NHL. But I, I, I'm thinking, geez, you know, okay, it's better than going to a shootout, but do they really have to play three on three? Come on. Yeah, it was uh, a bit of a surprise. I didn't know they did that or I'd forgotten they did that. I'd like to see that after, you know, you take a good run at it. Maybe another period at five on five. And then after that, I do like the three on three. But in the regular season, I don't think I want it decided that way in the, uh, you know, in the playoffs or in a, a gold medal game. But certainly that that play by McTavish. Now leading up to it, so it's, let's set the scene. It's two two yeah. in overtime. It's a three on three. You've got, uh, I believe, McTavish and Bedard are out there. And man, they I don't know if I, I don't I don't know which started first, them getting tired or them being terrible. But that was a horrifying shift defensively, wasn't it? Like they just kept getting pinching at bad times. And anyway, McTavish had an especially bad one. He was definitely tired at that point, pinching at the blue line, a three-on-one the other way. And uh, Garand makes a nice save. But instead, uh, and this is the thing that a goalie's got to be cognizant of, are my guys tired out there? You know, he needed to, to hold on to that puck and get a whistle. And then he just drops it at McTavish's feet. He must, and McTavish must have been just horrified at that stage. And thinking, <laughs> no, I want to get off, you idiot. Anyways, um, he gets the puck. A Finnish player trips him immediately. Let's start there. Did you think that that should have been a tripping call right there? Not really. No. He, he went down because he was exhausted. 
but I, I, I got to think that he, he asked for the puck. He must have said, give it to me because there's no reason, like you said, for Gerard to Grand to give it to him. Like that was a poor decision. The poor decision at the blue line you mentioned with the, what a terrible decision that was to create the three on one. But that, I didn't think it was a trip. I think he was just tired and he kind of half stumble bumble and guy's stick gets in there and he went down awfully easy. And then he turned around looking for a call. No doubt. It was more of a guilt thing. Okay. I've turned it over. What do I do now? And yeah, uh, call, then, then call a penalty so I can get arrested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my goodness. And then to, to, to have the wherewithal to get back up on his feet come back on the short side out in front of the net again and be standing there when the puck came through like i was when you watch the replays you're thinking like Connor bedard is swinging at it too and i could just yep. see mctavish knock it down and bedard knock it in or something right like it was so close to being bad like it was so close to being a horrible result and instead we end up with what a play you know it was reminiscent of esposito in 72 in game eight the same sort of thing he did he stopped one on the goal line with his stick and then with his shin pad too on the rebound off his stick. It was, it was reminiscent of, a, of an older Team Canada version. Well, it was certainly uh, an amazing play, but you're right. A lot of good things had to happen. I mean, for starters, I mean, a guy like McTavish, he's, no matter what, I could, throw, I could fling 10 pucks at the net. I'll probably put three or four of them in no matter what he does. You know, if he's on his backhand like that, I mean, he might knock it down, you know, eight out of 10 times, but he'll whiff a couple or the puck will continue its momentum into the net after it lands. Like this puck goes off his stick blade, off the bottom of his stick blade, straight down. Everybody's seen it by now, straight down to the ice. And it was almost like there was a force field on the net repelling the puck away. It was perfect. I mean, that thing could have landed on its edge and rolled into the net anyway. You're right about Bedard in there chopping broccoli, hacking away. And uh, even McTavish himself, he whiffed. Once that puck bounced the first time, he whiffed the first time and then had to recoil and he could easily and knocked it in his own net at that stage and then finally cleared it away safely into the corner. It was a totally memorable thing. Like just And, and of all the things you think about with McTavish, like there's so many memorable things about the last year. He had this incredible wild year where he played in the NHL, the OHL, the AHL, the Olympics, and now the World Juniors. And then on top of that, he's the captain. He's the MVP. He's the top scorer in the tournament. None of that, Greg, will be remembered 30 years from now. It will be that play on the goal line. Oh, for sure. I loved your chopping broccoli. That was good, Steve. <laughs> I don't know that many people are going are gonna to get it, but that was awesome. Um, Dana Carvey. Yeah. It, yeah. You're, it, it, it leaves you to wonder. And they talked about it in the broadcast. It, it was, are people going to remember that or are they going to remember the goal at the other end? It's mm-hmm. like, it's like the, um, 87, you know, 84 Canada cup, the, mm-hmm. the coffee so. breaks up the two on one. Everybody remembers that. Do you remember who scored the winning goal and how that happened? Like 20 seconds later, it's, it's, I do. it's okay. You do <laughs> other, other people may. But it's like the bigger thing is the coffee breaking up the two-on-one, and it's going to be the same sort of thing with this. I think everybody's going to remember Mason McTavish. It's, it's, it reminded me of the, the women in the Olympic with the, the empty net that hit the post, and Canada goes back up the ice, and Captain Canuck scored the winner for the Marie-Philippe Poulain scored the winner. Same sort of thing, right? Miss him at one end, get him at the other. Yeah. No, that uh, that 84 one, I have to talk about that now that you've brought it up because it did pop into my head. Grant McCagg has been on the show before, 
who's a, a local hockey scout. And uh, he, he brought it up on Twitter today, but I agree with him and with you that it, it did remind me of that. And it was Paul Coffey taking the shot from the point and everybody in Canada thought he had scored the game-winning goal. But in mm-hmm. fact, it was Mike Bossy at the side of the net who had his stick awfully close to being a high stick, <laughs> but he was the guy that actually scored it. Nobody really gave him any credit whatsoever. I think there was only one other guy who was on the ice for Canada that saw that Bossy had scored. Everybody else mobbed Paul Coffey back at the point. Yeah, it was about three feet wide and it was about waist high, but it was Tinelli on the wall and made the great play on the wall to free up the puck and feed it to to coffee at the point great goal one of the and it gets lost in the uh, Lemieux to Gretzky and it gets lost in the Henderson and it's uh it was a big goal for Canada in in, in the history of Canadian national teams and, yeah. and this one in the juniors like imagine if Johnson it would have been all the sweeter if he'd scored on the original deke right it almost gets ruined because it's a rebound right like the pull the puck across and, and stick it through the legs would have been so much sweeter so much a, a a pure goal scorer's goal. Instead, it ends up being a rebound off a great play. But but you're right. We're all going to remember the McTavish thing forever. Yeah. I, I was wishing Johnson had actually gone in, then just skated pointlessly around the net so that he could do another Michigan like he did <laughs> earlier in the tournament. That would have been good. But... <laughs> But it's interesting that they both those eighty four and the and this this world junior they both had a, an illegal play leading up to it. I know you were okay with the McTavish trip. A lot of people I talked to on social media said, "My God, imagine if Finland scores after clearly yeah. here's the best player in the tournament getting tripped behind the net and losing possession, and Finland ends up winning a gold medal because of that. Canada would, would have went sideways. Well, in that eighty four Canada Cup." If you you brought up John Tonelli, this is what tweaks me to it. And I know this is for our older listeners right now, but before the winning goal was scored there, just watch John Tonelli behind the net. He horse tackles two yeah. Soviet players and drags them down to the ice in every league in the world that is so illegal. And that should have been a penalty. Yeah, but it's JT, the chairman of the boards, doing what he does, baby. <laughs> Gotta love John Tonelli. Come on doing now. He, hey, yeah. and there's one for you. The player of that tournament, the the uh, the best player of that tournament who won the who won the award was mm-hmm. John Tanelli. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. He was great though. Yeah. He was definitely great. Chairman of the boards. I love that nickname. Where are the good nicknames yeah. in the NHL these days, Greg? <laughs> yeah, I anyway. don't know. Moving right along, um, it was funny in the celebration. Sends prospect Ridley Greg who unfortunately missed the semifinal and the final with that shoulder injury, which we'll talk about here in a moment. He comes out in full gear, which I thought was cool, but he's actually got, he's even got his shin pads taped up. I'm like, (laughs) that is commitment to looking the part for all the photo and video action in the celebration, isn't it? (laughs) But then he couldn't lift the trophy with his left arm. Did you see that? Right. Yeah. One hand, one hand. Poor guy. Poor guy couldn't get it up in the air with that, uh, with that shoulder injury, but it, yeah, it was cool to see him on the ice. You see that with the NHL too. They, they've uh, maybe probably in the last 10 or 15 years, it started happening. I can remember Aaron Ward doing it for, uh, for one of Detroit's cups where he was there, but was a black ace and he got dressed and came out. And uh, that was the first one that I, I recognized or noticed. And now it's a big thing. Now you see them on the ice for the Stanley cup celebration. Suddenly there's 30 guys there for the picture. When, That's when right. There's only 20 in the game. Where'd all those guys come from? Oh yeah. They're all the black aces who got dressed up to go out on the ice. It's so smart though, because 50 years from now when they're bouncing their grandkids on their knee, 
They want to show photos of them winning a Stanley Cup or a gold medal. They don't want to be showing their grandkids a picture of them wearing a tie or a windbreaker or something like that. You weren't really on that team, Grandpa. You suck. Anyway. Uh, Ridley Gregg will miss three to four weeks with that separated shoulder. He's going to miss the rookie tournament. He is expected to play in the preseason next month. And the first game for the Sens is actually a month from Wednesday as they take on the Leafs in the preseason. I guess my only thought would be on that, Greg, thinking back to Shane Pinto last year and him coming back, I think after, I don't know, he came back to play in a game like eight or he came back that same game after he hurt his shoulder, tried to play and then skated off the ice. And I think he came back within a, I don't know, within a nine or 10 game window, tried again and failed again, and then was out for the season. If memory serves. In any event, with Greg, I guess my message there would be to either him or the team, do not rush it. It just doesn't matter right now. Yeah, and, and I, I think the Senators know that. Uh, they will be cautious. Like like I said last show, if there's one thing the Senator staff know about, it's shoulder injuries. They should be just fine. They'll, they'll do it right. Um, it, yeah, the talk is that maybe he gets into a, an exhibition game, but... Uh, I, you know what? It may be the right thing. I, I said this last show, too. It may be the right thing now for a guy who who I believe should start the year in Belleville anyway. This now makes it real easier. It makes it easier on the staff, makes it easier on the team, makes it easier for fans to accept if he starts the year in Belleville. Right. Yeah, I agree. But I still like I, I'd like it better if he was healthy and providing competition either for himself to make a, you know, grab a roster spot. If he's the best option there, he certainly got a compete level as good as anybody on the Ottawa senators right now. I fully believe that whether he can process the NHL game at the stage remains to be seen, but it would have been good, good for him, obviously to get a chance to earn an NHL paycheck, but it also would have been good for a guy like Shane Pinto and everybody else. That's uh, not guaranteed anything going into this training camp competition makes for better training camps and better performances in the preseason. And that's exactly what the doctor ordered for this team. You know, get everybody on the same page early, get them playing well, uh, good chemistry, good effort, so they can hit the ground running and not have an abysmal start like they did the last two years. Yep, you're absolutely right. We're, we're pretty much set in who the top six is, but uh, there seems to be a lot of good competition there in the bottom six too, is particularly in, in probably what is going to be your fourth line. There's a, There's mm-hmm. a... There's a lot of pretty good hockey players there to choose from in the in the bottom half of the forward group, and the competition will only make it all that much better. I think um, there's probably it's Pinto's spot to lose as the uh, as the third line center, but you, you never know. We'll see what ends up happening. Do you see any scenario where it's not Kelly Gambrell and Watson on the fourth line though? No, I think that's that's probably where you start. But but a, a guy like Castellick's going to get his nose in there. Uh, who knows? Maybe maybe Yarventi is in there too, and is part of the conversation. Maybe maybe uh, Socks there, Sokolov is is part of the conversation. There's there's other bodies around. Like I say, there's 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 people here. But uh, but Gambrell and Kelly and and Watson really showed some some good stuff, some good chemistry, and played well down the stretch last year. What that means, or if that carries over, who knows? But they look good in the as as the fourth line to end the season. That's for sure. I remember DJ Smith saying after one game or at a practice that that's been our best line for a few weeks now, that fourth line. So certainly all the energy you want, 
Gambrell, I'd like to see a little more, I don't know, Ridley Gregg in terms of his motor, but he does good things on the ice. He's, he's a good skater and uh, makes smart decisions, but uh, not as uh, not as fiery as I'd like my fourth line center to be. But uh, anyway, they got uh, a lot of uh, a lot of miles before we get to you know, talking about fourth lines and uh, opening night and such. <laughs> Just back to the World Juniors, though. Corey Pronman in the Athletic was uh, keeping a close eye on the World Juniors here and uh, came up with a list of players that had really exceeded expectations and it really uh, I don't know what exa- how did he exactly describe it? Uh, he listed his standouts and standouts. his disappointments. Standouts and disappointments. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so Ridley Gregg made the standouts. This is what he had to say about Ridley Gregg. Up until he got injured in the quarterfinals, Gregg was one of the best tournament players in the tournament. He showed his typical two-way tenacity, being great defensively, while also attacking the net consistently with speed and skill. He looks like a player on the fast track to becoming a top nine center in the league. And Roby Arventi had a huge tournament for Finland, is big, a big part of their offense. He's not a perfect player as he lacks foot speed and physicality, but inside the offensive zone, Yarventi can make a lot happen. He's very skilled, can hit seams as a passer, has a great shot, making him a real threat on the power play. The difference between him at this tournament and the version of him we saw in 2021 was night and day. Any comments on what the Athletic had to say about uh, the Sens' top two guys in these World Juniors? I gotta say, I was mildly surprised that that he 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 picked Yarventi because I thought like I, it, he left me wanting more. I just wanted to see more out of the kid. I thought, okay, he's this is his time to shine now, and he he didn't play in the top line. Um, he scored a couple goals off of, off shots on the power play where he looked real good there. He was sort of in the Josh Norris office spot there for a couple, and it looked good. But I just I, I he left me wanting more. Now, of course, I probably didn't watch them play anybody other than Canada. Um, so I didn't see as much of them as Corey Bronman did. But so I'll, I'll take him at his word that the, that the guy looked good. But I agree. There's a foot speed there. There's a physicality exactly like he highlighted in his little blurb. He's not the most physical guy. He's not the quickest guy on the ice, but he's got an imagination and a creativity and can shoot the puck. And that 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 will shine. And that gets you into a top six as long as you're okay in the other areas. And one of the other things is statistically, he was noticeable from that perspective. He put mm-hmm. up points and uh, he was tied, I think, in this tournament with Kent Johnson at nine points. And I agree with Pronman's last statement there compared to last year at the World Juniors. Like, oh, yeah. come on. Like that, he was totally invisible last year, created nothing. This one, just by being the sixth best scorer in the tournament, that's a big bit of progress. And uh, the Sens have got to love to see it. I felt badly because uh, one of the guys he put in his disappointing section is a guy that I said, look out for. When we're doing our Summer in the Atlantic feature and previewing the Detroit Red Wings, I was telling you, watch out for Simon Edmondson. Big left-handed defenseman. You know, not as physical as you could be potentially for a guy that's that big, but a really smooth skater, creates a lot, really good passer. And uh, he's got him, Pronman does, as one of his disappointments. Although... If you read what he has to say, I'm like, he's not being very fair to the guy. Exactly. He said, Edvinson was one of the standouts of the December tournament, but it's fair to say he didn't have the week he expected. Part of that was due to being injured in the pre-tournament game and getting food poisoning (laughs) midweek. Well, there you go. That's pretty much all you need to say at that stage, but he goes on to then rip him a new one. 
Uh, he didn't do a ton to help Sweden win games. And uh, it's hard to say he looked NHL ready. Well, who looks NHL ready when they're injured and suffering from food poisoning, barfing all over the universe? Yeah, that he was coughed a up a lot of pucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> among other shocker. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I yeah, I agree with you because I was looking forward to seeing him play too. Because not only because of what you had said, but I can remember talking about him back at, in his draft year, the week of that draft, thinking this guy, thinking that uh, Detroit got a nice little pick there. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that he had that he was injured. I didn't know that he had food poisoning. He looked okay to me. What do I know? Yeah. All right, let's move on. Is there any, anything else? I mean, they weren't the only senators. Uh, when we talk about Ridley Gregg and uh, Robbie Arventi, of course, there was Thomas Hermara. There was Zach Ostopchuk, Tyler Clevin, Levi Marilainen, who was a backup for the gold medal game behind uh, Yu Kola. So uh, when you look at the other senator prospects, was there one guy maybe that would join the other two as your, your medalists of uh, Elite Sens prospects at the tournament? Well, I guess just based on on results and, and playing, I guess it's Marilainen. He came in as the number one goalie and played almost all the round robin games, and then sort of on a coach's hunch, he was replaced for the for the quarterfinal and never got the net back. But he looked pretty good in in his games. I was a little disappointed in Clevin. It, it's he's he seems to have been passed on the depth chart, at least as far as Team USA and his age group go, he seems to have been passed by a couple of guys. I mean, he was never going to be a standout. He was never a, a top uh, two or even probably even a top four guy. He's just a five, six, steady Eddie. And that's the kind of guy who can who makes a decent career in the National Hockey League. Steady Eddie, five, six defensemen usually play for a long time. So hopefully this sort of uh, low event week doesn't affect him moving forward. Let's take a quick time out on the show. At JimKFord.com, we'd like to invite you to check out the all-electric Ford Mustang Mach-E. Yes, goodbye gas, hello freedom. The Mustang Mach-E gives you 0 to 60 thrills, expansive range, and zero tailpipe emissions. Transports are arriving daily at Jim K. Ford with more inventory all the time. Order your next vehicle exactly the way you want it today at JimKFord.com. They're at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. All right, then, moving on. We asked the question here, if the season started tonight, who are your three defensive pairings and your starting goalie? And thank you, by the way, for being part of our Faces Magazine media poll, Greg. Had a bunch of uh, media guys answer that very question and had some interesting answers. And I've thrown in starting goalie as a bonus on this thing. So I, I know exactly who your three D pairings are from the magazine, but uh, share it with the listeners. Well, I, I see uh, Shabbat and Hamannick being your first pair. I really think that um, when Hamannick was acquired, the plan was to play him with Shabbat. It was uh, it was spoken of uh, both by DJ and by Pierre at the time and as the, when the season ended. And Hamannick apparently was fighting all kinds of injuries and was nowhere near 100%. I see him being the guy who's going to play with Shabbat. Uh, that frees up Zub to be the anchor and the helper and the mentor and the defensive uh, conscience to play with with Jake Sanderson, which I think is a great pair. And then my third pair, I I, I see it as being, well, I see it as being Zaitsev and uh, between Zaitsev and Branstrom and who am I missing? Oh, uh, Holden. Oh yeah, Holden. I see it being Holden, Branstrom, and uh, and Zaitsev in your bottom pair and and kind of. 
moving around and moving in and out and healthy scratch here and there, depending on who you're playing against and what kind of game you, you want to play that night. I think it's between those three. I really think the two kids are going to start in Belleville, Steve. I just, I, I just, it might not be whatever what he wants, but I, it, it, I, I can see that being what's going to happen here. I can see it being that uh, Jacob Bernard Docker and uh, Lassie Thompson both start the year in Belleville and, and kind of take it from there. And the, who's ever playing best is the first one who comes up and, and see what happens. What's your, what's your six? I've got the same four in the exact same order. Shabbat and Hamannick, Sanderson and Zub. And Zub being on that second pairing for exactly the reason that you mentioned. And then I'm going with Holden babysitting either Brandstrom or Thompson. Okay. That's how I'm playing that. And so it's not dramatically different than yours at all. Um, what about goalie? Who are you starting in net? Opening <laughs> well, night. Where, Opening night. That's it. Disagree. I know. This is where we disagree. I, I, I believe it's Cam Talbot. I believe he will he will start the year as the number one guy and get game one. Uh, but I think it's going to be more like um, out of 82 games, uh, it won't quite be 41-41, but I can see it being closer to 50-30. And I, and I and as to which one's getting the 50 and which one's getting the 30, I think it'll be totally dependent on what happens. This is kind of like uh, Ron Tugnut and Damian Rhodes. Was that the uh, the Jacques Martin pair that, that – uh, they were the Garth Orge, Rance Mullenix, so the <laughs> Buck Martinez, Ernie Witt, uh, you know, the, the, the platoon situation. Mm-hmm. I, I can see it turning into more of a platoon situation, but I think Talbot's the number one to start the year. And you, my friend? Well, I don't want a platoon situation. I want this to be a meritocracy. I want whoever's the better goalie, whoever's performing the best to have the net. But I think I'm starting with Forsberg for just because I feel like History matters for sure. And the reason you start, you know, a lot of people are saying Talbot because he was an all-star and he's got a much bigger, probably better resume in the NHL. He's a veteran. I think he'll come in very, very handy this year as opposed to Philip Gustafson, who's still so young and learning. Um, They needed to bring in a guy like Talbot for sure. I think Talbot will get it. He knows he's here to earn it. On opening night, though, I'm giving it to Forsberg because he – He's in the last year and a half, he's lived through all the garbage. He's lived through all the tough nights and came away last season with a winning record. And he's very popular in that room, even beyond the record. So I think it would be a bad decision to just automatically give it to the new guy. I say let Forsberg, because he's the incumbent and because he's dealt with all the nonsense here in the last year and a half, um, he deserves the opportunity to lose the net. So Forsberg is my opening night starter, and then it's a meritocracy after that. If Forsberg keeps the net, so be it. And that's a good thing because he's a lot younger than Talbot is. So yeah. that's how I see it. Yeah, it's it's a reward. It's an attaboy. It's a thank you. It's, uh, you know, you, you've been here, You like you said, attaboy, buddy. We're, we're glad you stuck around. We're glad to have you. You were great last year, and you've earned it, so you're going to play game one. I get it. Not to mention he has the three-year contract versus the one-year left on Cam Talbot's deal. So, let us move along to our final, final question here. All right, I'm ready. Who were some Sens prospects? And I got this off Twitter. I think it was, might have been Kevin Lee. Is that, anyway. Yeah. Who were some Sens prospects that you were excited about in the past that never panned out? I've got a big list. <laughs> I know. Like that's the thing we were talking before we turned the mics on and I'm like, I don't really have any, like I was, 
I was mildly interested in seeing how David Rundblad was going to perform after they traded for him. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I was interested in seeing. Uh, help me out, Kagiger Kagigerodov. What's his name? Alexei Kagerodov. Yeah, I was I was interested in seeing that guy just because he was a Russian and 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 uh, the Sens weren't weren't exactly filling up on Russians and I thought okay they they took this guy he must be pretty good that mm-hmm. didn't pan out so I, I you you got a huge list who have you got on your list that you were genuinely excited about I don't want any twenty twenty hindsight like you can remember at the time being being excited about so I can go back to Alexander Degg I was here covering the team at that stage of the game. And that first season, I was at every home game, and it was just god-awful. But I was still excited to be there. It was <laughs> NHL hockey. For those first few years, Greg, it was all about just the opposing teams coming in. Oh, yeah. Getting to talk yeah. to Wayne Gretzky and getting to talk to Brett Hall and all these guys that were rolling into town. I'm like, oh, my God. I, mean, I love the Sens and everything, and they'll be good one day, but I don't even care about them. I'm getting to meet all these <laughs> NHL players. Uh, but Alexander Dague would be a big one because he was the, the solace. He was the you know, the reward for finishing so badly. And and he's also the reason, I guess, that we have an NHL draft lottery today because the Sens were talking, joking about uh, maybe throwing games in order to get first overall and get Alexander Degg by finishing last. Rolling through the others real quickly here because uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, I would say that Nikita Filatov was a guy that I was very intrigued by because he was such an early draft pick. Philly yeah. don't do rebounds. The Sens got him for a third rounder. And he was just nothing, just absolutely nothing. And uh, I was obviously <laughs> wrong in my excitement there. <laughs> then you got your Brian Berard. You know, that was a really? guy that was highly, highly touted. And then by the fall, he basically uh, was not happy that he didn't make the team. And they were asking him to go down and ask for a trade. And so they uh, obliged him. Logan Brown, as you know, I was a fan of for a while and excited about thinking, you know, there's a guy that uh, with great NHL pedigree and uh, lit it up at every level but the NHL. And I was disappointed that he never got it going. Jared Cowan, Shane Prince, Cody Cece. That's about it for now. That's enough. That's a big enough list. Do we count Bobby Butler and Brandon Bochensky in there? Sure. Like, weren't we all excited about seeing those guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, I came up with a few. I contributed something. How about Kyle Turris retiring at the age of 33? We just talked in our last episode, I think, about his birthday. That's why he came up, yeah. and uh, we kind of reminisced about his time as an Ottawa senator, and basically we ruined it. We ruined any kind of farewell Kyle Turris stuff by talking in our last episode about his career in Ottawa. Now that he's actually retired, well, we got nothing. Not a big guy, not a strong guy. Like the, So, therefore when you don't have the speed anymore, and he never really was a speedster per se, the type of game that he played sort of in the weeds and then step up and do something amazing and come out of a slot here or a spot there or do something. Just the type of player where with age, the game went and it went in a hurry. Like almost the day after he left Ottawa, he was never really the same player. And uh, yeah, 33, I guess is kind of young, isn't it? But really, there's nothing left in the tank. I watched him play at Edmonton. Was it this past season or the season before? When I, when, while I was out west watching him play at Edmonton, barely getting any ice time. But they called on him for the shootout, but uh, never really contributed in any way. He, he yeah. was done long ago, probably. 
Well, the NHL is a grind for sure, and he never really had the body type where you said yeah. that guy's in it until he's 42 years old. Like his body type was such that he had to eat a cheesecake every day to just keep the weight on in the in the grind of an NHL season. But what a good guy. Um, I think we oh, all yeah. go back to the, the Capital City Condors. And it was the night where he scored a big overtime goal in the playoffs. Didn't stick around for any celebration or beers after. He immediately left because he knew he was running late for the banquet for the Capital City Condors. And uh, that that really spoke to the the character that that guy had. I had a chance to meet him emceeing the Capital City Condors golf tournament at Greyhawk one year and uh, sat with him at the table. And, and he and his wife were fantastic. And just reminiscing about hockey. I mean, at, at his core, he's a hockey fan. He, we talked about him playing at the uh, the Brick Tournament in Edmonton as a little kid. <laughs> and uh, so I just, just need to talk to him and, and a real quality guy, deepest voice, deepest monotone voice you'll ever hear. But he's a fantastic guy and, uh, yeah, a great senator. So tip of the cap. Yep. And uh, well, well done. Great career. And uh, wish him well in retirement. Not much of an announcement, mind you. We, we basically found out when the Coquitlam Express of the BC Hockey League announced that they had hired a special advisor to the general manager, some guy named Kyle Turris. And everybody's going, wait, what? Did he retire or something? Is he done? I guess he is. And sure enough, we found it a few days after that that he, in fact, had retired. Top five draft choice out of junior A hockey. That's impressive. Right, like he, he he didn't play major junior. He was drafted out of out of the BC Junior League, the, yep. the equivalent of of our CCHL, and a, and a top five draft choice. I mean, and, and a very good career. Should be, yeah. And as you said, number one though, just a quality, a fine young man, as we say, Steve. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll remind everybody that our website is sensnationhockey.com. Grab yourself a T-shirt. We've got uh, Sens Nation Hockey T-shirts. Greg, you've got one. You wear it proudly, or. Maybe you just wear it around the house when you're doing <laughs> dirty work. I don't know what you're doing with it. Anyway, uh, you can check that out. SensNationHockey.com. Full line of uh, mugs and t-shirts and things like that. So uh, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being with us today. And we look forward to talking to you in our next episode. Thanks, Greg. Not a problem, Steve. Talk to you next time. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at sensnationhockey.com.